Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, hey, everybody. Merry Christmas. Oh, this Christmas, I am so thankful for our church and uh, the compassion and the generosity that flows from this church. I love you all. I love this community, the city in which we get to live and serve. And I love uh, the accounts of Christmas, uh, the first Christmas, uh, so many themes from, uh, to pull from Scripture We've talked about some of them uh, this December already, the, the themes of gratitude and of giving and of joy. And you know, uh, today we know the good news of Christmas. We know it as good news, but we know what will happen and what will happen again when we look at the Christmas story. But it wasn't good news to the people who heard it the first time. In fact, at the first Christmas, everyone was terrified Maybe you don't realize this, but at the first Christmas, everybody was afraid. Every one of the main characters had to deal with a different kind of fear. And what's interesting about it is you and I are dealing with the same exact fears 2,000 years later today. But the message of Christmas is this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It's not God's will for your life, for you to walk around in your life full of fear. Uh, So what I want to do today uh, is really pretty simple. I want to quickly go through uh, the five fears from the very first Christmas, see how those apply to us today, and then identify how we can uh, defeat those fears and move on. Uh, uh, Let's uh, first just identify what the first fears were. If you're taking notes, write this down. Mary faced a fear. She faced the fear of inadequacy. Mary was a teenage peasant girl uh, planning to get married, but an angel interrupted her plan by telling her she was pregnant with the Son of God. Uh, That would create a fear of inadequacy in anybody's life. She's engaged to a guy named Joseph. How's she going to explain this to her fiancé? She's told that the child is uh, the promised Son of God. That would create anxiety and fear in anyone's life. How do you explain this to your mom? How do you explain this to your family? How do you explain this to your friends? Uh, There's so many reasons uh, for her to be afraid. The government is taking a census, so her fiancé has to travel to his birth town. So while she's pregnant, she has to go on a long journey with him. And there are just so many reasons that she would feel worried or inadequate. And in Luke chapter 1, it tells us this. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think, what the angel could mean. Read this with me. Do not be afraid. Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen I am a virgin. So just like with Mary, uh, that she is facing a fear, her fiance is facing a fear as well. It's a different kind of fear. You might write this down. Joseph faced the fear of disapproval, of disapproval. Imagine that your fiance 
tells you that she's pregnant, yet you know you've never had sex with her. Then she claims, well, uh, the baby is the son of God. I got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Imagine the ridicule, the shame, the gossip, the criticism heaped on Joseph. People saying, well, if he believes that story, he's nuts. And at first, uh, he couldn't believe it himself. In Matthew 1, it says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break off the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, read it with me, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So God is telling Joseph, just like he did to Mary, don't don't be afraid of this, don't fear what is happening. And if Joseph would have listened to his fear, he would have missed out on the greatest blessing of his life, being in on the story of God. Uh, Next, there's another group in the first story, uh, the first Christmas, called the shepherds, and the shepherds face the fear of sudden change. Put yourself in the shoes of the shepherds. They're out uh, lying on a hillside, watching a flock of sheep. Suddenly, they have life-changing news. The The sky lights up with extraterrestrial beings that they've never seen before. In Luke chapter 2, it says this, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them with me, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I have learned about this about when God shows up. After walking with God for several years now, I have learned that when God shows up, it's often at first very unsettling. It often means a big change that uh, I wasn't necessarily ready for. But God doesn't want to scare us. That's why his message is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There's another character in the story who had to deal with panic. And when Jesus' birth was announced and his name was Herod, and King Herod faced the fear of losing control. Herod was the king of the Jews. He was actually the king of Judea. He was hated by the Jews uh, because he wasn't even a full Jew. He ruled with a heavy hand because he was absolutely paranoid of losing his throne. He was so paranoid that uh, other historical documents, other than the Bible, Other supporting documents tell us that Herod had his brother-in-law killed for fear of taking over his throne. He had his mother killed. He had his wife assassinated. He had two sons assassinated. The guy was an absolute monster. So when he hears that Jesus, the king of the Jews, is being born, he freaks out yet again. He orders the death of every baby in Israel under uh, two years of age to try to prevent Jesus from growing up. Mary and Joseph are warned of this in a dream. They take Jesus to Egypt, and Jesus spent his very early years uh, in Egypt. They don't return to Nazareth uh, until after Herod has died. Matthew tells, tells us this about Herod's fear. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. 
About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. You might notice that Herod was disturbed and afraid, but nobody shows up to tell Herod, do not be afraid. (laughs) Yeah, the lesson there is evil should be afraid. When we're walking with God, we don't have to be afraid, but we should fear going against the Lord. It's, It's called the fear of the Lord. It's a healthy fear that I want to be on God's side, because if I'm not on God's side, I should be afraid. I should be very afraid. Finally, there was an old priest uh, named Zechariah. His wife was named Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was the cousin of Mary. Uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah were older and had prayed their entire life for a child. Uh, They finally give up hope because they were past childbearing years, and they were afraid to hope because they had been disappointed so many times. You might write this down, Zechariah faced the fear of being disappointed. Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed for years to have a baby, but it had not happened. And when Zechariah found out that Elizabeth was pregnant, his first instinct was disbelief. He was afraid to get his hopes up. In Luke 1 verse 11, it says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, sanctuary, he was serving in the temple, he'd served there for years, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. Zechariah had been disappointed so many times that he just couldn't believe it. He would go on to say, oh, how can I be sure? Like he wanted God to prove it to him because he just didn't have it in him to believe again. He didn't want to hope again. And some of you can relate to uh, this fear of being disappointed. It holds people back. By the way, uh, Zechariah's long-awaited son, you may have heard of him, he grew up to be called John, John the Baptist, and he was uh, the forerunner for Jesus. He was the announcer of the Messiah, saying he's, he's on his way. In fact, he is here now. But before we turn the, turn the page and move on, I have a question, and that is, which of these five fears have you faced this year? Which of these five fears are you facing this Christmas? Sometimes the fear of inadequacy uh, can be so big in our life that we say, well, I'm not even going to try for my dream because I know I don't have what it takes. I know I don't have it in me, uh, so I'm just going to give up now because I'll probably end up giving up later. Maybe you're struggling with the fear of disapproval and you, you uh, fear criticism, you fear rejection. So you're not living the life God intended for you. You end up living the life of just the, on the path of least resistance, whatever has the least criticism, whatever is, is not too difficult, whichever has the, the least rejection. Some of you have faced the fear of sudden change. You, you hate change when it's not on your terms. You get stressed out by change. But my friend, if you get stressed out by change, you're going to be stressed out your entire life. Because while change can happen suddenly, it's never a surprise. Change is a guarantee. How about the fear of losing control? That's a big one. 
I don't want anyone to mess with my plans. This is the way I think it should be. How do you know if you have the fear of losing control? There's a warning light that goes off in your life when you are facing the fear of losing control. The warning light is called worry. Worry. Worry is when you're trying to control what you cannot control. Worry can't control anything. It can't change the past. It can't control the future. All worry does is mess up today. How about the fear of being disappointed? Some of you have thought, well, I'm not going to trust anyone else again. I'm not, I'm not even going to trust God again. I'm not even going to try because I fear being disappointed. And you are scared to get your hopes up. Which of these five fears are you dealing with? If any of these ring true in your life, you really need the message of Christmas. Because if we'll do what God told Mary and Joseph and everybody else to do, we'll conquer our fears. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not, you know, we're giving away donuts this weekend. And so I want to say it this way. Do not be afraid. Don't, and you know what? They were, um, I told the team, don't, don't get too many donuts. I don't want to be giving away boxes of donuts at the end of the way we can. Uh, but, so they ended up being more popular than I thought they would be. So I saved one back for somebody uh, just in case they didn't get one. I put it underneath the Christmas tree. And uh, Ryan, I forgot to get you a gift for Christmas. Uh, so I just wanted to come down here and, uh, and tell you, don't be afraid, my friend. <laughs> yeah, amen. All right, come on, give it up for Ryan. There we go. Okay, so how do we conquer these fears? How do we move against these fears? We do uh, what the uh, characters in the first Christmas story uh, did. We, number one, I surrender my life completely to God every day. Say, God, just tell him I'm full of fear. I'm giving you the good and the bad and the ugly of my life right now, and you start the day that way. You say, my creator made me, My creator knows what's best for me, and he knows what's going to make me happy more than I do. You say what Mary said. Mary overcame her fear of inadequacy with this statement in Luke 1. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Have you ever said that to God? You. Have you ever opened up your mouth and said to God, God, you're my creator, and whatever you want to do in my life, I'll cooperate with it. Have you ever done that? If you haven't, you are living in constant tension. This is why you have fears. Because you're going this way, and God's going that way, and it creates fear in your life. It creates a tension. You're not walking with God. And we hit dead ends all the time with our plan, but God's plan doesn't have dead ends. Our confidence grows, not our fear, because we're walking with God. And you've got to stop and surrender your life completely to God every day and say, God, have your way in my life today. This day is yours. I'm just living in it. Whatever you want to do in my life, I surrender. I'll cooperate with it. Here's number two. Number two is stop listening to the voices of fear. You know, fear is contagious, and so you're going to have to change what ideas you allow into your mind if you don't want to get infected with fear, because fear is contagious. So what you watch, what you listen to, 
You've got to stop feeding your mind with fearful things. Would you agree that we live in a pretty negative culture? Like, if you were to just go with the flow, would you become a more negative person or a more positive person? It's easier to just be against stuff and to be negative and to be fearful. But sometimes those voices aren't only from culture, they come from ourself. And we've got to stop focusing on ourselves. Let me give you a little stress reliever this Christmas. You don't have to believe everything you tell yourself. You don't. Why? Because you lie to yourself all the time. You lie to yourself more than you lie to anybody else. You tell yourself things are good for you when really they're not good for you. You tell yourself things are far worse off than they actually really are. And you need a much more objective source of truth in your life than your own opinion. Because you're not the final authority on truth. I'm not either, by the way. We need an outside objective source on truth. We need God because God is truth. And many of us would agree with the prophet Jeremiah who hears God's call on his life and then out of fear says this, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too, and he said young, but what would you fill that in with? What are you too inadequate, too scared of? to do God's call on your life. We're focused on our inadequacies. We're focused on the approval of others. But watch this. God doesn't respond with, oh no, Jeremiah, you're not too young. And you are a good speaker and you're capable and you can do this. No, instead he says, Jeremiah, you're focused on yourself. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you, and I will protect you. I love this. I, the Lord, have spoken. I've said it. Focus on what I have said. And God does not respond to your fears of inadequacy by reassuring you of your strength, but reminding you of his strength. So stop thinking about yourself. Stop listening to the voices of fear. Start listening to God. Uh, Two more uh, keys to dealing with fear. Number three, I fill my mind with music that praises God. Because when you're scared to death, all your attention is focusing on you. How, How I look, how competent I am, how scared I am, how I've gotta, I've gotta break this addiction. I've gotta restore this family. I've gotta beat this thing. And you're totally focused on yourself. And to get rid of the fear, you've got to get the focus off of you and onto God. When you make that transition, there's a word for that. There's a word for getting your attention off of you and your circumstances and putting it on God and who he is. That word is called praise. It's called worship. And one of the best ways to get the focus off of yourself and onto God, one of the best ways to worship is through music. Did you know that when Mary, she did this when she was frightened about the job God had given her? She sang about it. That song's actually in the Bible, part of it on your outline. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. I spoke with a a man this week. I, I did his wedding about a year and a half ago and had heard bits and pieces of his story, and we finally sat down for 
a couple of hours this week and he shared with me his whole testimony. His name's Bucky Beckham. And for those of you who know him know that uh, he has gone through an absolutely miracle transformation in his life. After years of battling alcoholism, he'd been an alcoholic since the age of 14. As you can imagine, it was uh, disrupting and destroying every area of his life. And he finally went into rehab and he spent almost 30 days in rehab. And before he went in, he was scared, but he says when he left, it was a new kind of fear because they say when you're in rehab, your addiction's at your front step doing push-ups waiting for you. And he was scared to death to go home, to leave that place. The first song that played in the truck when leaving rehab was the third day song that we sang at Rockbrook for a while, Mountain of God. It says this, and even though the journey's hard, and I know the road is long, I must go through the valley to stand upon the mountain of God. And Bucky would tell you that even through his addiction, he knew the Bible cover to cover. But it was the songs and the music that tremendously helped reframe his worldview and to move past the fear and step into the hope and the promise in the future God had for him. Bucky's four years sober now. Not long ago, he shared that song with a meth addict in the ICU. That meth addict is clean and got baptized last month. The song says this, yeah, amen, yes. The song goes on to say this, sometimes I think of where it is I've come from and the things I've left behind, but of all I've had and what I've possessed, nothing can quite compare with what's in front of me. I thought that I was all alone, broken and afraid, but you are here with me. Yes, you are here with me. And for any of you who have walked through a valley and a difficult time and you've come to worship, you know the power that's there. You know that it helps you get the focus on God. Friend, it is no accident uh, that Christmas is the most musical of all holidays. Mary sang, Elizabeth sang, the angels sang, the shepherds sang, even Zechariah writes a song. It's in the Bible. And I highly recommend that you learn from them and make music that is faith-filled part of your life. Finally, there's a fourth way uh, to defeat your fears, and that is I base my hope on what? What am I getting my hopes up in? The promises of God. Let me ask you a personal question. Where is your hope? Like, what do you have hope in? What gives you any hope for next year? Did you know that in this book, the Bible, there are thousands of promises from God to you? Do you know any of them? It would be absolutely silly to go through life not knowing a single promise your heavenly father has made to you. In God's word, there are promises from him to you about your finances. Did you know that? About your sex life, about your relationships, about your career, about your past, about your present, about your future, uh, about the forgiveness of sin, about eternal life. But if you don't know them, you can't put your trust in them. And if you don't put your trust in them, you can't claim them. You don't get them. They're like gifts that go unwrapped. They're like someone who's written you a check that you never cash. And it's time to base our life on the promises of God. When Jesus was born, uh, he fulfilled 
over 300 prophecies and promises about the Messiah. You see, Jesus is not the only one who's ever claimed to be God. He's just outlasted all the rest because he's the only one who did the miracles and, per, and, and relieved and, and, and brought fulfillment to all the prophecies and promises. Nobody else could do that. It's one of the greatest defenses for Christmas that it's real. It's a historical account. It's not just a story. And when Jesus came, he perfectly fulfilled all these prophecies that no one else could except for God. It shows that he's good on his word, that we can put our hopes, we can get our hopes up. We can put our hope in the promises of God. Elizabeth uh, noticed this, that this is what was giving Mary confidence. In Luke chapter one, Elizabeth said to Mary, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. That you believe God's promises. And that's what gave this young peasant uh, girl enormous confidence in an incredibly fearful situation. She believed God would keep his word. And when you start doing that, you'll be blessed too. I want you to be blessed. This church wants you to be blessed. It's why so many people have given up part of their Christmas to pull off eight services to serve you because we believe the promises of God, and we want you to believe them too. David said this in the Psalms, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. And if you've gone through life not knowing the promises of God, you've had a lot of worry, you've had a lot of fear, you've had a lot of frustration, you've had a lot of control issues. Let me just give you on Christmas the most important promise. It's the promise that when you die, you can be in the presence of God. If you trust in Jesus Christ, it's called the promise of eternal life. It's found in John three sixteen, the most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's the greatest promise. Jesus came, Jesus Christ came to earth the first Christmas to ultimately die for your sins and rise from the dead to give you life, eternal life. But Jesus didn't come uh, to earth just to forgive your sins, that's part of it. He didn't come to earth just to pay the penalty so you wouldn't have to pay the penalty. He also came to eliminate your fears here and now. In Hebrews chapter two it says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. And we're all going to face that someday. It would be foolish to go all through life unprepared and fearful for what you know is inevitable. Some have said that you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Have you believed? Are you ready? Have you believed so that you might have eternal life? This is the reason for Christmas. It's why the whole world is going to shut down this week and celebrate. It's why history is split into BC and AD. Do you believe it? Let's pray. I'm going to pray what I call a no fear prayer. And if these words ring true for you, just in your heart and mind, say, me too, God.
that, dear God, I don't want to be fearful. I want my life to be full of faith, not fear. And I admit that I've struggled with some of these fears. I've been afraid to believe. I've been afraid to trust. I've been afraid to get my hopes up. God, I've been afraid of you. And yet you say, don't be afraid. So starting today, I want to surrender my life completely to you every day. You're God, I am not. I want what you want for my life, and God, I'll cooperate with it. Help me to stop listening to the voices of fear. Help me to focus on you. Help me to base my hope on not some flimsy idea, not some temporary thing, but on the rock-solid promises of God. God, Jesus Christ, I don't understand it all, but as much as I know how, I open my life up to you. I want to get to know you. I want to know your promises. I want to know your purpose. I humbly ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.